This morning, uh, this message is not typically um, a, an Easter message, but we, we had a sunrise service this morning where we did definitely had an Easter message. Ron gave us a wonderful message, and uh, it will... Thank you, Ron. And with that, it'll be on the podcast, um, so if anybody missed it, they'll be have a chance to do that. I would like to finish up with where I began last week with Gideon, and... So if you would just just join with me in Judges chapter 6. We're going to end there, and then we're going to move into chapter 7. And it is here, in, in, remember last week, um, we were talking about Gideon. And Gideon, in, this, in the midst of what was happening, he had uh, torn down the, the Astra pole that was placed at his, at his own family's house. He had consecrated himself to the Lord, and he had moved forward into a place that with the things of God that was very important, and God had met him on the threshing floor, remember, but it was actually on a wine press in a, in a dugout. So here we pick up the story in Judges chapter 6, verse 33, and the Bible says there, Now the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Now I'm going to offer this to you guys this morning. When you demolish strongholds in your life, in your family's life, you sanctify yourselves unto the Lord. There will the, you make inroads into the enemy's territory. Expect the enemy to band together. They joined forces. Because they knew, they knew what was coming. The enemy always knows. He's, he gets ready. He prepares himself for the battle. And it, when, when he knows that the people of God are reaching out, the hunger that you, you, that's in you, that thirst of God that's in you, when that begins to, to, to stir up, the enemy will be put on new alert. Judges chapters, the next, the next verse in 634. And it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarites to follow him. I wanted to look at it, just a couple other translations. The New Living Translation says, Then the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. And he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms. The shofar, the men of the clan of Abizar came to him. And in the New English Translation it says, But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and sounded the trumpet. And he sounded the trumpet and the Abizarites were called out to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord clothing you. When the Spirit of God dresses you, something is about to happen in the spirit realm. When the Spirit of God, when the anointing of the Holy Spirit clothes you, there is something dynamic that happens. See, I'll tell you today, there are those this, the, today that will go through, we have, we have done a, a lot of programs in the church world. I am not for programs, I'm going to let you know that right now. I talked to a pastor not too long ago, he said, well, you know, we're, we're doing this, we're putting a sign, and we're doing this, and we're going to advertise, and I said, that's, that's great, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to count on the Spirit of God to, be, be, to work on my behalf, to blow the trumpet like Gideon did here. I know that the Holy Spirit is the best advertiser I could ever have. Now, that doesn't mean that you, as, as, as being influenced by the Spirit of God, won't talk. I know that some of you guys have been talking. You've told your friends, hey, I want to tell you about Lighthouse. I mean, I want to tell you about this little chapel over here on the other side of town. I know that's happening because every time I turn around, I hear somebody telling me. But what I want you to know is, I told this pastor, I said, I want to count on the Spirit of God to be that motivating factor. And you know what he said to me? He says, that's a neat concept. I said, I will choose the Holy Spirit 
over any of man's programs. I will tell you now, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit working and moving in our lives is the only thing that will make inroads into the enemy's territory. Everything else will, be, will just seem foolish in the eyes of this world. I know that. But the thing is, is what we try to do is we try to bring all these things into the church to, to supplement what we don't have because of the move of, the God, move of God in the midst of us. See, what we want to do is we bring all these things in so that we can kind of almost dress it up. And I want you to be honest with you. You know what we have done in the church world? We have catered to lukewarm people. The church, his whole dynamic has been set. The whole agenda of the church has been set by lukewarm people. And I say lukewarm people because Francis Chan would say it like this. He wouldn't even call them Christians. Because here's the problem. With those that are lukewarm, the Bible says that he wants to spew us out of his mouth. That doesn't sound like a Christian. But that is what's dominated our world today. That's what dominates our churches. That's why our churches have, have failed to pursue God. Because you know what we've done? We've filled ourselves with all these other things. That's just a little side note. <laughs> this soul-saving, life-changing, character-transforming experience, not known by outward, outward accidentals, but by inward essentials, truly converted to God, truly consecrated to His will, divinely controlled by His Spirit, converted, consecrated, and controlled by the Spirit of God. I will offer you this, a grace that does not transform you cannot save you. Grace empowers righteousness. Grace empowers holiness. Not of works lest any man should boast, but our natural response back to His grace, what He did on the cross, His rising from the dead, is obedience, holiness, and righteousness. It is not an excuse to sin. It empowers righteousness. But when we've been clothed in the Spirit of God, it is then that we can blow the trumpet and people will hear. A group of pastors was discussing whether to have the evangelist D.L. Moody, an old-timer, come to their city for a meeting. One man asked, does Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? Quietly, one of the pastors replied, no, it's evident the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. See, in Judges chapter 7, God says to Gideon, He says, listen, there are 135,000 Midianites. The Bible says that the, their camels were as numerous as the sands of the sea. They had, they had camped in the Jezreel Valley. They had a monopoly on the water supply. They had went in and raided everything. And now with this 135,000, Israel has 32,000. And God tells Gideon, he says, Gideon, it's too many people. There's 135,000 Midianites, you have 32,000. Now I want you to know, the odds right there are already off. There is no way in the world you, you, would, you, would, take a, you would even go to battle. You might as well go you know, uh, get a truce with these people because there's way more of them than, than you. So you might as well just truce it because you know what? You're better off, you're not going to win this battle. But God tells Gideon, he says, listen, you have too many. So he says to them, he says, I want all of you, and I want you to imagine this this morning, in the spirit realm, me coming to you and saying, listen, all of you guys that are afraid of the devil, you can go ahead and go. 
22,000 walk out. They see the Midianites camped below them. He says, if there's any of you who are fearful, go ahead and leave. And they leave. Leaves them with 10,000. Now the... God wants the odds so bad that there'll be no doubt that it is God who's got this in control. So he, he summons the Abizarites and all the heads and they come together. And God still says, listen, you have too many people. I want you to cut down once again. See, God, God will frequently cut down on our resources in order that we may depend on Him entirely. Sometimes He allows financial distress, difficulties, even sickness Sometimes to come into our lives to bring us into fighting trim and to train us to solely respond to his power. Man's extremity, extremity is always God's opportunity. He delights to reveal his power when men acknowledge their weakness. When odds are overwhelming, God overwhelms the odds. Hebrews says it like this in 1133. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. See, God likes to use those weak things, those things that look like, how can you use this, God? He likes to use those weaknesses to showcase His power. Faith means a deliberate decision to rely upon God's power and His resources and not our own. So here we have 135,000 Midianites... You just lost 22,000. You're down to 10. And God says, we need to get the number lower. Wearsby says this, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Too often what people think is faith is really a warm and fuzzy feeling about faith. Or faith in just faith. Spurgeon says it like this, the promises of God shine brightest in the furnace of affliction. John Wesley said it like this, Give me, and this is, my, this is my prayer, Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and love nothing but God, and I'll shake the gates of hell. See, your faith is not positive thinking. It's not even just this positive message to make me feel good. It's tuning our spiritual ears to the cadence, to the rhythm of heaven. See, that's what we need. Is we, don't need a more, we don't need to be more self-confident. We need to be more Christ-confident. God says, I don't like the odds. In Judges 7, 14, he says, there's still, still too many. God says, I will sift them. Go down to the water and those who bend down to drink and those who put their hand up to their mouth, I will make a decision by who's going to stay and who's going to go. He whittles it down to 300 men. Less than 1% of Gideon's original army of 32,000. What do these warriors look like? Are these big muscle-bound men brutes? Are they, are they these powerful, noble, fearless, brash, and, and confident men? Or are these just ordinary men that God used to transform? I will offer you today this. There's sometimes what we think is important to God is not so important to Him. 
Sometimes we'll say, you know what, if only this person, if this movie star or this person in town would get saved, then it would be all, it would be all different. No, God doesn't work that way. He's not interested in that. He's interested in all of us, yes. But you know what? He's interested in the lowly, the meek, the lowly, the one that looks like Gideon. He says, I am the least of my tribe. My dad's got Astra poles outside the house. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says, listen, I don't have it together. And God says, yeah, that's why I want you. See, if what we have done today is we have eliminated the work of the Holy Spirit in church. And subsequently, we have brought all these things in to basically form this mirage, and we go, okay, that was church. No. Church is when I come, and I get influenced. I get empowered. I get clothed. I get dressed by the Spirit of God. And then that power is what changes me, and then I can go out into this world, and I can do the things. I can blow that trumpet like he says. He eliminates part of our Support system. He actually will knock out the props from under us because he wants to demonstrate his power. Our response often is to question God's goodness or to wonder where, where if, if we were out of his will. But we need to understand that the battle is being prepared for a God-sized victory. Judges 7, 8 says, So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but he kept 300 who took the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now, I want you guys to know right now, I want you to think about this. If I'm Gideon, and I'm telling you guys, hey, listen, we're going to go to battle, okay? And, here's what, and, you, and, and I can hear, already hear something. Listen, we need some swords. We need some spears. Could we have some of those shields? Could we even have one of those catapult things, you know, that'll sling rocks over on them? Gideon says, no, listen, here's, here's my plan. Here's my plan, guys. God says that I need a trumpet. And he says, here's what else I want you to bring. I want you to bring some lamps and some jars to cover the lamps so nobody will see us when we sneak up. We're going to battle. See, God wanted this thing. He desires it today to be Him. He's not interested in what I can do in my flesh. He's interested in what He can do through me. And that's what He's saying here. He's saying, listen, guys, this doesn't, this doesn't even look like a fair fight. You want me to go to fight with a ram's horn? Now, granted, I mean, a ram's horn's kind of big. I guess you could sling it. But He doesn't even want me to sling it. He wants me to blow it. That's how He wants us to go to battle. Trumpets. Lamps and jars. They won. See, the battle, the battle is won in our obedience and in our worship. Exploding praise. God says, listen, I'm going to battle. Put your battle axe away. Put your shields, your swords. What I want you to do is bring a tambourine. With the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand, we will inflict vengeance on the nation and punishment on the peoples. Psalms 149 says, He's saying in the spirit realm, your power is held in your praise. So Judges 7-9, he moves on, he says, That same night it came about, the Lord said to him, Arise. Arise and go down to the camp, for I have given it unto your hands. 
Now, I want you to notice something here. He says it like this, have given. Note the past tense of the verb picturing the future event as a completed past action. God says it's already been done. He says, listen, all you have to do is be obedient. I've already done it for you. Now, as we know, Gideon, he's a little bit afraid. God speaks to Gideon and says, if you're afraid, he says, I want you to go down to the enemy's camp and you'll be encouraged by what you hear. In Judges 7.13, Gideon arrives as, the man was, as, uh, as a man was telling his friend a dream. I had a dream, he was telling. This is the enemy. He says, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. What's more remarkable about this? The dream or the time of Gideon arriving to even hear the dream? And I've often thought, when I've heard this story, I thought of this barley as a big old bale. I don't know what you guys picture, but that's what I picture. You know those big old round bales that they do? I picture this big old round bale rolling down. But as I was, the commentaries I was reading on it, it, wasn't, it, was, it was like a, a pizza. It was a flat piece of bread that nobody wanted. Barley bread was, was only used for the animals. It was not something that you would use even for, to set at the table. It was used as, as the last resort. Barley bread was like a, like a little pizza. It was like a pizza loaf. And that's what he says. This thing comes tumbling. Now I want you to picture this. This is what's going to attack. God says, listen, that's how I want to demonstrate myself to you. It's not going to happen through something that's powerful and great. It's going to come through something that seems so insignificant. And all of a sudden, Gideon realizes, I'm the barley. I'm something despised. I'm something that really doesn't even make that much of an account. But God says, I'm going to use you. And as he hears the dream, he, he, he goes back up to camp and he's rejoicing because of what he just heard. The Lord will be with them. He gets his army ready, 300 of them against 135,000. See, upon hearing the dream, he worshipped the Lord. In Judges 7.16, he says he divided his men, 300, into three companies, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of them all. With torches inside the pitchers, he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Look at me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. And when I and all... all are, are with me, blow the trumpet, then you also blow the trumpets around the camp and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Pitchers and jars, trumpets, no one's talking of swords, they're talking about shouts. That's how we're going to defeat the enemy, he's saying. See, this is, this is not a really great concept, God. This is, not, this is how we're going to go defeat 135,000 people. Well, see, Gideon was doing, he said this, he goes, do exactly as I do. Philippians 4.9 says, those things, Paul said this, those things which you have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, do, and the peace of God shall be with you. I want you to know today, godly leadership will plow the path. 
They will make the way open. They will lead the way. Don't see, see so many times today we have seen ungodly leadership or men that don't want to even pursue God. What I'm going to tell you in these last days, you better find yourself a man of God who knows who God is, who can connect with the Spirit of God because if nothing else is not going to be important in these last days, these last days you're going to need to know somebody who can get a hold of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nothing else. I'm talking about godly leadership. We get behind them and we say, listen, I will follow you where you want me to go. Gideon says here, do as I do. Paul was saying, as you've seen in me, I've demonstrated it. You do that. That's how God's talking to us today in these last days. You need to find a man of God and you need to say, listen, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you to wherever you have to go. I'm going to, I'm going to seek God and I'm going to know because the God is going to confirm it to my spirit that where you're going is the right direction. It was about 10 p.m. The men were asleep. He says, get ready for battle. See, I believe that as the Israelites, 300 of them, made their way down to the, the Midianites' camp. I don't believe, this is what, I believe that a lot of people had that same dream about Midian, or about Gideon coming and attacking. And I believe, and I believe, that when they came down there and they began to blow their trumpets on the sound and they began to break those jars open and they began to bring out those torches, all of a sudden the Bible says that the Midianites woke up from their sleep, probably woke up from their dream they had just had that same dream and all of a sudden they're going, you know what, look, they're honest. They've come, they've come to attack us and they began to turn on one another, the Bible says, and they began to slay one another. And here this 300, this little band of men who Gideon had with him, they all of a sudden, they begin to pursue the Midianites. They begin to pursue them and pursue them. They come to the first place, which is Succoth, which is a, a, an Israeli town. And they come to that town and they say, listen, we're pursuing the Midianites. Would you give us some bread to go along with where we're going? No. They said, we can't do that. He already had the heads of the Midianites. No. Then we're not going to help you. They come to the next place. They go to Penel. And all of a sudden, again, Gideon says, listen, my guys are tired. They need some help. I want you to know this, that when we begin to move out from where we've been, when we've been in this place of complacency, and we begin to move out, don't expect even people of God or the Christian church to all of a sudden go, okay, we're with you, because they won't. These are the men, and these are other Israelites that said, no, we're not even going to deny you. We're going to even deny you bread. We're not even going to help you do anything. We're not going to help you pursue the enemy. Don't be surprised. When the enemy bands together, Two things happen when you make that decision, you make that determination in your life. You say, listen, this is where I'm going, and nothing's going to stop it. The enemy's going to band together, and I'll tell you this, those around you that you think are with you are going to disband. They're not going to help you. I thought you were were a Christian too. Well, yeah, I am, but I'm one of those kind of Christians. You guys are crazy. You guys are radical. You believe that God heals. You believe that God still works in our lives today. I'm more comfortable with this. I'm a realist. See, I'm a realist, Greg. You know, I, I, I have to see it with my hand. I got to see it. It's got to be tangible. And you know what? All this stuff you're talking about, I, it's a little bit out there for me. I says, listen, it's the Spirit of God. I'm telling you guys, 
It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is the only thing. It is the only thing that's going to change the dynamic of Springville. Ron and I know. We have tried to bring law enforcement to a degree over this little city to bring it into a place where we can remove those that don't want to uh, abide. They want to just continue to bring destruction. And we know that it cannot be done by our hands. It has to be the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is going to take a unified effort of the people of God to come together. What I'm asking for today is a hundred men. A hundred men that will fear God, hate sin. And say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to go what you're talking, where you're talking about. I'm ready to let go of this stuff of the world. I'm ready to let go of the chocolate bunnies on Easter. I'm ready to get rid of my, my colored eggs. I want to go to a place. I want to know who, the, who God is. I want to know what he needs in my life. I'm not harassing any of those of you who had chocolate bunnies today. <laughs> there was only 15,000 Midianites left in verse in Judges 8.10. 120,000 of them had been killed by sword, and that was all that was left. And Gideon continued to pursue. And then all of a sudden, the people of God banded around him and came together. Who will cry out? Who will stand in the gap? Who will say, here I am, God send me? Who will intercede? Who will fast? Who will pray? Who will worship? Who will praise? Who will bring out the ram's horn? And I don't mean even the physical sense. I mean in the spiritual sense. And cry out to God. Who of us today will put aside the things of the world and say, I'm, I'm driven by the, the Spirit of God. Who, somebody said it this morning. I don't know if it was Pastor Mark. He says, I'm already living in that eternal place. See, that's what we need to... Our eyes have to be fixed on where we're going, not where we've been, and not even to the side. We've got to just keep our eyes fixed on what God's got before us. Who would think that it would be satisfactory today to glory in the cross, the blood that would pave the way for our salvation, that we would look to something so degrading as Jesus on a cross among two, two criminals. People will look at that today and say, that's old-fashioned. But I want you to know today that it is our only hope. It is our only source of strength. Jesus' blood and righteousness. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. That's where our lives have to be so enveloped in Him. God, God's method accomplishes the work. Who will bind together who will resist the enemy? Who will restore? Who will renew? Who will reclaim, renounce, and reestablish what God's wanting to do in this hour? Some of us this morning will say, I'm ready to do that, Greg. I'm ready to, I'm ready to hear that call. I've been needing this. This is exactly what I need for this. And we'll, we'll proceed a little ways. And then the world will just come in and, like that song sings, we sang this morning, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I don't want that to be any of us. I cannot let it be me. I don't want it to be you. This morning as we close, 
I'm just going to pray a prayer over us. And I'd like you just to bow your heads for just a moment. Heavenly Father, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the true life stories that bring the reality of the spiritual life to life for us before us. And Lord, this morning I ask that your Holy Spirit would seal this word within us. Lord, that we would not leave this place just the same. But something, Lord, maybe this is just the triggering point. Maybe this is just the place where we begin, Lord, realizing that even though we're against all odds, when we have you on our side, Lord, there is nothing we can't do. We thank you, Lord Jesus.